1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the dogs program. Yes. Fanfare for the common man. Mr. Aaron Copeland, an American idealist, anarchist, anyway. Um, he wrote that as a fanfare, not for kings and queens, but for the common man. Um, and woman. And LBDTQI, Um I'm pretty sure if he was around, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give a damn about um, gender selectivity or whatever it is. But I'm pretty sure that's not what it's all about. It's a nice piece of music to introduce the dogs, because we are the defenders of government schools. And the government schools, of course, enrol everyone. That's the whole point of government schools, free, secular, universal. State schools in Australia, um, they take the lot because that's what they do. That's the values of a state school, as opposed to several other education systems which are funded by the taxpayer, that is you, dear taxpayer, uh, which are the private schools, which don't. They have a different set of values, and the values they have are we want who we want and we don't who we don't. And um, let the devil take the hindmost because we don't care. Um, that's functionally what a private school is, a pu- publicly funded school topped up by funds from the parents, um, which is exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country. And that system, the private system, educates anything up to, depending on the figures you look at, between 30 and 40% of the population. That 30 and 40% of the population are probably quite happy that they send their children there because they can then separate their children off in some sort of... Well, in, in South Africa, they called it apartheid, um, here in Australia... I don't think you'd call it apartheid, but it is an active financial subsidy from the government for, for for parents to separate and segregate their children from people they don't like. If they're the wrong religion or the wrong colour or the wrong ethnicity or just the wrong sort of children. That's what private schools are functionally for. I'm being a bit harsh, aren't I, uh, saying it as it is here on the Dogs Program. <laughs> um, often we're a little bit more circumspect, but the fight's getting pretty tough out there. So the rhetoric gets tough. Mm. And the rhetoric that is used to put down and to diminish and to disparage state schools um, around the country is getting rougher and tougher. So here at the Dogs, I'm afraid, and as a reaction to that, we have to get rougher and tougher back. Um, so the basic premise, there's two premises of this show, if you haven't heard this before. One is that um, the government should only fund state education. This is not just important for the kids in the schools, but it's important for everyone that we don't segregate our children off from a very young age. Into the haves and the have nots. It's not good for the nation, it's not good for the kids. And the other course, the other thing, if you know us here at the Dogs Program, and if you haven't, I'll tell you now, we're really interested in the idea, a very well, modern idea, it's only about 400 years old, um, of the separation of religion from the state. Yes, religion is over there, um, in, in people's churches, and, and common, and um, sincerely held faith is something that here at the Dogs we, we respect, as, you, as everyone should. Um, but it's got nothing to do with me. Your faith functionally has nothing to do with me. You have, in Australia, freedom of religion, and we defend that um, to our last drop of blood and the last word here on the radio, Um, but we also defend the faith of freedom from religion. It's all than from. You can't have one without the other in a civilised democracy like Australia, and in Australia we do not have freedom from religion. Uh, The government funds religion, certainly through the private school system, but also... Um, using taxation breaks which if you listen to Fiona Patton who's the one member of Parliament for the Reason Party in Victoria she agrees with us and she's doing interesting things in the State Parliament by saying that churches or religions should be taxed um, if they're not doing charitable work If if religions do do charitable work, that is, you know, people go out there and and raise money for poor people as part of religious organisations, that, of course, should be tax-exempt. But if the sole purpose of the money that they're getting from the government is to promulgate and proselytise their religion, that should not get any tax breaks. Restoring churches uh, shouldn't get tax breaks, whereas giving money to the poor should, whether you're a religious person or not a religious person. Um, And these are are the ideas that we hold dear here at the Dogs Programme So for those who haven't heard, that's kind of what we're on about We're on about supporting state schools and making sure that private schools don't get any money And we're on about keeping as much as we can separation of religion From the affairs of the people of Australia When it comes to our government and our taxes and our laws indeed Having said that, it's now time to get down to the battle because there's a battle going on out there, many, many people do not think that state schools provide an adequate education for the children of Australia. And so, therefore, their solution to this problem, that is, that the state school system of Australia does not provide an adequate education, is to uh, basically just defund it as much as possible and give the money to to, to private enterprises to do the job, because everyone knows, in this modern pseudo-liberal economic, theologically world that private is always better than public um, the reason we're having the fight and the reason I'm getting punchy now is that we've had, we've had some weapons provided to us this week we've had some weapons provided to us by people who know what they're talking about and have written several, several really very powerful articles on this exact question uh, we'll be hearing from David Zignia from Monash University who's written on this and we'll be hearing from David Gillespie written on this also in the past and I'll be praising what Dean Ashenden has to say about this whole problem in Australia. Now the problem in Australia of course is that the government funds to a very very large degree the private and separate and segregated education of those people in Australia who can afford private schools. And you go oh well that's the way it's always been. Um, No it's not, it's only been that way for about 40 years in Australia and it is not that way in any other civilised country on the planet. It's not the way it works in America, it's not the way it works in England, it's not the way it works in Europe. Yes, private schools are funded, but nowhere near to the extent that they are in Australia. Australia is an outlier. Australia is a really weird place when it comes to education funding. Hence, you get weird radio programs like The Dogs on the radio who just have to constantly keep pointing this out. So, not only is it to make sort of social and and, and sort of um, social and uh, shall we say, ideological nonsenses, Um, it's also financial nonsense. And I'd just like to pass over to my co-presenter here, Dale, at the moment, who's got some things to say about what David Gillespie who's done some financial analysis and as well as other things to do with the stupidity I I, I do not hesitate to say the word the stupidity of funding private schools. Dale? Thanks, Rob.
0: Yes, I've got an article uh, by David Gillespie here entitled Stop Public Cash for Private Schools. The Education Minister thinks some private schools are overfunded. He's wrong. They all are. According to the latest figures we have available, Australian taxpayers spend $12 billion a year propping up the businesses we call private schools. That is more than we spend on unemployment benefits and sickness allowance combined, and it's about 12 times as much as we spend on the ABC and SBS. And that's just for recurrent expenses. We also generously hurl another billion in their direction so they can build capital facilities that taxpayers don't own and are not permitted to use. Since most of these businesses are also tax-exempt, those numbers are just the tip of our generosity. The spin masters employed by these private businesses often run the line that they are doing taxpayers a favour by taking their money. They point out that while it does cost taxpayers $9,327 per student per year to educate one of their clients, it would cost the government $13,783 to do it in a government-run school. My goodness golly gosh. They're, they're generous. They're saving us $4,456 per student. Except they aren't. More than half, $2,386 of that saving is notional because it is for depreciation of the school assets owned by the public school. The school does not see a cent of it in its operating budget. Not one teacher is paid with it, not one book is purchased with it, but that notional expense is included in the calculation for the government-run school and not for the privately-run school. Once you drop that accounting trickery out, the gap narrows considerably. In in 2014, it cost the taxpayer just 18% less to have the child educated privately and that gap has been closing very, very quickly. In 2009, it was 28%. At that rate of progress, it should cease to exist at all in the next five or six years. Even though they are getting relatively less and less government money, it is the government-run schools taking on the more challenging task educationally. They teach seven times as many students classified by the ABS as living very remotely and four times as many students classed as being remote. When it comes to children with special needs, once again, it is those same schools doing the heavy lifting, educating 3.3 times as many children with a disability as their private brethren. And unlike government-run schools, privately-run schools are largely exempt from the provisions of Australia's discrimination laws. They are permitted by law to pick and choose who they will and will not be bothered trying to educate. In New South Wales, for example, they can refuse to teach or employ people on the basis of marital status, sex, disability, transgender or homosexuality. Queensland is less discriminatory. Here, schools can only pick and choose on the basis of not liking someone's religion. If I choose not to take the bus to work, I don't get to ask the government to buy me a car. But let's not fall into the trap of arguing about the pennies and ignoring the pounds. The real question is, why is the taxpayer contributing anything at all? The taxpayer provides a fully funded secular system open to all comers. People can choose not to use that system, but if they choose to opt out, why does the taxpayer owe them anything? If I choose not to take the bus to work, I don't get to ask the government to buy me a car. If I choose not to use a public swimming pool, I don't get to ask the taxpayer to build me one. If I choose to employ a security guard, I don't get to send the taxpayer a bill for the police time I'm saving them. Meanwhile, our results in benchmark tests continue to slide. Our rankings on international comparative tests have been dropping like a stone. We now rank 14th out of 32 OECD countries behind Poland, Germany and Vietnam. Worse, analysis of the numbers shows it is the private schools which are letting us down the most – Usually when taxpayers subsidise something, it's to gain a collective benefit. We subsidise childcare because the government wants parents to work. We subsidise medical treatment because we want our population to be healthy. And we subsidise local manufacturing because we want to keep those skills in Australia. There is, however, no reasonable justification for the extraordinary public funding of private choices in Australian education. It doesn't save money. It doesn't improve results. It divides our education system along class lines and it entrenches legally justified discrimination. So, Minister, let's not fret too much about who is on the hit list and who isn't. Let's put them all on that list and get on with using that $12 billion a year to fix our education system.
1: Straight up. Straight up. Um, we've been saying this, of course, for 30 years and now we're not the only ones. The problem's got so so bad, the numbers look so bad, Mm. in terms of the dollars and the cents, and the outcomes for the kids, and we'll come back to what the outcomes actually are for the kids, because there's numbers and then also there's on-the-ground stuff, and we'll be talking about both of those things on the dogs program. Um, It's just got stupid. Mm. It's just got stupid. So you've got people like that They're going, hang on, this is just not right. Not just in terms of ideas, but in terms of financial management. It would be don't to talk about this with um, um, some words from David Zignia, um, after, after a little music, I think. To the dogs program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial that was um, the key sequence from the from the film, the movie Dangerous Liaisons if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check it out it's a nice mm. little movie <laughs> lovely beautiful classical music a harpsichord, or as a friend of mine used to say many years ago a harpsichord <laughs> um, a harpsichord and of course um, a continuo orchestra as well Yes, you listen to the dogs programme. Now that music has got us into a nice calm space, we can delve back into the fundamental problems of education in Australia, both financial and social. Wow. Listen to three C A, you get to hear the weirdest stuff, don't <laughs> you? Yes, dogs. Why are we called dogs? We are the defenders D of O government G schools. S. It's an the acronym. dogs. It is an acronym, isn't it? Yeah. We are the dogs and we need to. Look, there is the secret. There is a secret. Everyone in the education system, in the policies, in the universities, in governments, um, in schools and teachers, everyone knows this secret within the education system. And it's a secret that no one ever talks about in the press. Um, Well, we do, because I suppose we're not the press. I'm not a registered journalist. I am someone here to defend public schools. But um, it's a really simple secret. And it goes like this. If you want to give every child the chance of the best possible education in Australia then you need to spend some money on it. If you haven't got a kid you should cough up you really should cough up because I know you don't have any kids and it's got nothing to do with you this whole education thing but you should cough up because if you have an uneducated population that's coming along after you and that's younger than you then you're going to have problems (laughs) educating the next generation is something that you as a citizen of this country um, have a responsibility for whether you have a child or you do not have a child uh, whether you're married, whether you're unmarried, whether you're, whether you're whatever gender, uh, whatever sexuality, you pay for that in the same way as you pay for your hospitals in case you get sick and your police in case someone comes and does bad things to you. Although the police thing is a separate question, I think in, in many people's minds, <laughs> um, uh, a very well regulated and policed police might be something that I'd be interested in paying taxes for. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to tell you the secret. It's a really simple one. How much money do you need to spend on each child? make sure that they get a gold standard education in a civilized country like australia well the answer is all kids are different but if you spend less than 10000 bucks a year on them in their school years you are shortchanging them you might have absolutely brilliant teachers on the ground who are doing things at you know twice the normal rate and so therefore you spend less than 10000 like you might pick up a bit of slack just because the teachers and the system that's surrounding and supporting those children is doing an excellent job in your local area. Or maybe you're not. Because, you know, people are people, kids are kids, teachers are teachers. The system is almost impossible to talk about because education is such an individual thing. But if you're spending less than 10000 bucks a kid a year during their, their schooling years, you are shortchanging them. Now, that's kind of the way it is. There's inflation, there's this and there's that is, And some kids come from come from, they have all sorts of issues that get in the way of them getting a gold standard education. And with those kids you need to pay a bit more. You need to resource them more. You don't just give them money, that's no that's no right. You don't, you don't you don't just give them an extra $3,000 in lunch money. No no. You put the resources into support structures, evidence-based support structures that help those kids out if those kids need a bit more help. Pretty simple. So, $3 to $4,000 a year for the kids that need it and maybe a little bit less for the kids that don't. So, you're looking at between $10 and $13,000 per kid per year for every year they're at school, sort of from prep to year twelve that 's a lot of money, mm. but you know what i 'm happy to pay that in my taxes and if you 're not happy to pay that in your taxes, um, yeah go back to where you came from or whatever or, or whatever it is, and you know go back to where you came if you 're not happy to support the education system of this country then i don 't actually consider you a citizen because mm. you don 't do the whole rights responsibility thing because the kids are actually what 's matter you know Whatever else you can say about an individual, and say, I'm not paying taxes to educate other people's kids, well, yeah. No, you're wrong. That's, that, that's about as, and I hate to use the word, that's about as un-Australian as you can get. <laughs> that's not the secret, by the way. That's not the secret. I'm, I'm just setting the groundwork for the secret. So, you're spending between 10 and maybe 13, 14 thousand dollars on every kid every year they're in school to make sure they have the opportunity, the opportunity for a gold standard education. Now, if you're a teacher or an ex-teacher or have anything to do with the education system, you can't get them all. Some kids will drop out of the system and there's nothing you as a teacher or an educator or a system or even as a parent can do about that. And I'm not saying that's not sad, but you, in a good conscience, have given that child an opportunity to succeed. And the vast majority, of course, do. Either at school or sometimes later in life. The things that they didn't think they learnt in school, they can then pick up upon because they've got those skills in later life. And you know, World's a complex place. And here at the Dogs, we have compassion for all people involved in the school system. And, you know, sometimes education comes in comes in later in life and you go, how
2: did I know that?
1: Anyway, now I've decided to become interested, you know, in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. That's the glories of an education system. Now, here's the secret. If you spend more than $17,000 a year on a kid in Australia, every dollar, more than 17000 is wasted. You know... You know, wasted dollars? I mean, there's several ways of expressing this. Some of them polite, some of them not. But every dollar that you spend more than 17000 a year on a kid is a complete and utter and total waste of money. You are not going to make them any smarter. This is what is called a ceiling effect. How well-educated can you make every single child? Well, the answer is you can make them as well-educated Give them give them all the opportunities that you possibly can and that costs maximum seventeen thousand dollars a year per kid per year. Anything more than that is pearls before swine. They're not gonna get that extra point oh two percentage point on their V C E. It's just a wasted money. If you spend more money than that on a child in Australia, it is wasted money. And in Australia that is exactly what we do every yeah exactly and this is the secret this is why private schools are just such a waste of money people talk about private schools saving money no, it's the opposite if you are spending school fees of over $17,000 on your child then you are wasting your money in that school and you might say oh yes but it's a very exclusive school and I'm buying my child a network so they don't actually have to be better educated they're just better connected (laughs) Care for your life Go for your life. If that's what you want to do for your child, and that is the advantages you wish to provide to your offspring, go for your life. Do not ask me to pay for that. Do not ask me to pay for that. That is not fair under anyone's logic, and that is exactly what we do in Australia. If you are spending more than $17,000 a year on the education of your child, you are sending them to a school which the government also gives money on top of that. So many children in, in wealthier private schools are getting between twenty five and $30,000 per year per child from both parent contributions and taxpayers' money. That is a phenomenal waste of money. And that is the secret. That is the financial argument to suggest, a very simple financial argument that states unequivocally that giving money to private schools is a waste. Now, David Zinnia puts it better than me. He says it's often claimed as a fact that private schools outperform public schools. This is always the reason. A you know, parent wants to pay or thinks they need to pay or thinks they have to pay a, public, a private school to educate their child because private schools outperform public schools. Now, in 2017, the VCE education results in Year 12 came out. And this shows that public schools with a similar index of community socio-economic advantage. We talk about Ixia. That's pretty much how socially advantaged you are, how wealthy your parents are and such like and so forth. Show that public schools, public schools with wealthy kids, have similar VCE results to the kids who go to the rich and expensive private schools. However, these public schools achieve exactly the same results or better results than the private schools with... Da, 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 about fourteen thousand dollars per year. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This, this, this is now the evidence. This is up to the minute 2017 evidence from the VCE. Now, those who argue in favour of public funding for private schools claim that private schools are more efficient and academically outperform public schools. This is now a fallacy. In 2017, this is not true. So says David Signer. What is the actual return on investment? Return on investment for parents when it comes to private schools. Now those on the conservative side of politics believe that there is no no equity problem to address in Australian education. So they solve the problem in the conservative side of politics is saying the problem doesn't exist. That's it. They just say the, the emperor has no clothes. It's just not there. There's nothing to look at. Go away. We're not even talking about it because it's not even true. Now the Liberal Party says this and they rely on Various conservative researchers' evidence. One of the researchers, of course, is a fellow called Kevin Donnelly, who deny there is any causal link between socioeconomic status and student academic outcomes. Yep, they just say it's not there. They ignore the OECD, they ignore the PISA studies, they ignore the falling equity and, and falling... They ignore all the evidence. Go and do a study and say, no, it doesn't exist, so shut up. That's it. Um, fake news whatever. Like it, It's this parallel set of facts they, they, are, they produce alternate facts To what's going on Now the new analysis of the Year 12 results From last year actually compared 455 private and public schools Across Victoria And all schools with fewer than 20 students in Year 12 Were excluded so you, that's what's called getting rid of the outliers If you've got you know, a school with a couple of kids in VCE You can't talk about that school and VCE Because there's not enough kids really to talk about it properly You can only talk about the individuals And David Zignia is talking about stats He's talking about big numbers So even excluding select entry schools So that's your Melbourne Highs and your McRobbs Public schools outperform private schools With similar X-year rankings That is similar wealth of parents and such like The median VCE score in public schools was slightly above private schools. And public schools had 18% of VCE scores of 40 or more, compared with 17% for private schools. So there you go. 2017, private schools are a waste of money. Mm -hmm. Today. Now, with most media-based rankings on a percent score of, of 70, of, of, of over 40, the more robust statistics of the median VCE score is achieved by its school. That is the score achieved by the exact middle student in Year 12. So this isn't your high flyers. This is the middle school, the median score, kind of like the average but different. The median score is actually a better indicate to, of exactly what the, what, what the school's doing because you know, smart kids are going to do well. <laughs> kids that struggle are going to struggle. How about the ones in the middle? Are they getting value from the school? So that's what your median score is all about. Okay. Now, the median is, of course, a better indicator about how that school actually works. Now, when it comes to funding, private schools on average outspent public schools by a minimum of $9,000 per student to achieve the exact same median score. So this is an economic argument here. So we're saying a similar result with almost 50% of their funding coming from federal and state funding from independent schools on almost 80% of the school funding coming from Catholic schools. And they're still outspending the state schools, more than $9,000 per student per year. Now, this is what the majority of public schools receive from government funding, which in Victoria, here we go, in Victoria, the the average amount of money for a VCE student in a state school in Victoria, $13,764. There you go, just under my $14,000 Magic number. Any more than that, you're wasting your money. And this is what a majority of public schools receive from the government. Um, private schools, however, on average, top-performing private school parents paid over twenty-five thousand. Parents paid over twenty-five thousand dollars per student. That's right, and that is excluding the government funding which goes to them at well as well. Which is between six and eight thousand dollars per student. On top of that, so you're getting up to thirty thousand dollars as opposed to under fourteen to get the same VCE score. Now, you can argue that VCE doesn't mean anything. In fact, I can argue that right now, VCE doesn't mean anything. Anyone who's been through the VCE and out the other side knows it's a bit of a ticket to a, to a couple of pathways. But in terms of what your life's going to be like, it's it's a jumping-off point. And you can if you, have VCE, if you don't have a VCE, you can still get through life. No worries. But, just in terms of raw scores, private schools are a waste of everyone's money. Now, it is claimed, as I mentioned before, by Dr Kevin Donnelly and by other conservative commentators, that socioeconomic status has little impact on students' academic performance. This analysis of the results clearly demonstrates that school performance is very strongly correlated with socioeconomic status. Now, spending more money on students... Spending more money on school buildings, spending more money on well-being centres, spending more money on international campuses around Southeast Asia, spending more money on playing fields, spending more money on equestrian facilities, spending more money on rowing sheds, spending more money on music centres, spending more money on swimming pools, spending more money on all these things makes no difference at all when students come from similar families. And Jane Carrow, another friend of the Dogs Program, said, if money makes no difference to education, then why do private schools spend so bloody much? Actually, she didn't say bloody. I said bloody. <laughs> she said, if money makes no difference to education, why do private schools need to spend so much? Mm. Absolutely fascinating. A new review of research studies found, found of course, that money does matter. But th- money does matter, but it matters and it has a ceiling. It matters. It, anything up to $14,000 matters. After that, it is what some people, if you're grown up, you know what I'm talking about, call the law of diminishing returns. The more money you put in after that, the less benefit you accrue. It shows there is a strong evidence of positive relationship between school funding and student achievements, and that certain school resources that cost money have, have been positive. That is, all the money up to $14,000 is positive, and any dollar after that is pretty much a waste of money. And of course, all of this is funded not by just parents, but by the government itself. Now, there's a couple of things here. Um, I'd just like to talk about the Donnelly article, this fake sort of, well, I, I call it fake news, but this alternate research that says that equity is not a problem in Australian education. This, this, this evidence And I might actually get Dale um, There's a comment on, on, on the post I'm talking about Written by Dave, David Zenia. There's a comment by Inigo Ray um, About this and I think it's quite pertinent And to the point
0: Yeah thanks Rob uh, Yeah, Inigo's comment says uh, Donnelly's article Doesn't convince me Socioeconomic status is not Simply about parental income Or family wealth It has cultural and educational implications. SES is a portmanteau variable. If you strip out parental educational attitudes, parental educational levels, existence or otherwise of role models, books in the home, etc., etc., you are gradually gutting the variable. But all these things are part of the socioeconomic variable. That is why the word socio is there. These things are not accidentally connected. They form an existential and geographical empirical complex of causally related factors. They are found together in neighbourhoods. I would be happy to reanalyse the data that purports to show SES accounting for only 15% of variance in academic outcomes. I haven't read the longitudinal studies Donnelly mentions, but I very much doubt that it is possible statistically speaking to show that the variables listed to account for school success are independent of SES. Even teacher quality variables correlate with SES because in government schools at least individual schools are local schools and schools in low SES areas have few Fewer experienced, well-qualified teachers in most subjects.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, just to sort of interpret that. Basically what Donnelly is saying is socioeconomic status is just about the economics, not about the social stuff. So the social stuff is how many books you have in your house. The social stuff is how much your parents care about your education. Th- those are social variables and they're related, they're correlated with how much money you have in the house. Mm. It make, makes a bit of sense, you know, how much money you have in the house kind of correlates with how many books you have in the house. Although books is becoming less and less <laughs> a sort of market these days. I just got rid of a few myself and gave them down to the International Bookshop. So you should go down there and pick them up for <laughs> not very much and support your local International Bookshop down there at Trades Hall. Sorry, just a bit of a plug there. Should <laughs> I do, am I allowed to do advertising, Dale? That's fine. I can do that? for Trades Hall, you can. I can do it for Trades Hall, can I? Yeah, so down there at Trades Hall, the International Bookshop, I've just given them some amazing books. Some really good novels too. Um, so if you're after a really cheap copy of um J- J- R. R Martin's Life and Fire, they're all down there too, <laughs> plus a lot of other things. I've read them all. I thought, I don't want these. I'll give them to someone else so you can go down there and get them. Yeah, books. Now, how much education is valued in the school so mm. is actually a social thing. It's a socio economic thing. And um, basically, um, only saying, no, no, it's just about the money. And, and, that, and that way, my figures come out and say that there is no equity problem in Australia. Um, Donnelly hasn't worked in a school for 30 years. He's got no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I work in about 80 different schools all around Victoria and all the sectors, and I can tell you there is a multi-class system here in Australia. Mm-hmm. You go to one school and you go to a really good, gutsy, wonderful state school, doing the absolute best they can with the limited resources they have, a great state school, which we'll be talking about later. Um, you can't go to a great state school and see what they're doing with almost nothing, and then you go down the road and you're greeted in the well-being centre of the incredibly posh inner eastern place, and you find that there is, I kid you not, the staff room has its own barista. <laughs> the staff room has its own barista.
0: How then. does that benefit the
1: kids? Oh, I suppose it makes the teachers come. Look, if I was a teacher, I want a barista in the staff room, that'd be great. But I'll tell you right now, um, that's paid for by taxes. Yeah, oh. when
0: you get teachers in public schools using their own money yeah. to... Yeah make sure that they've got the right materials Mm. for the class because they're so
1: underfunded. That's right. I went to one school and there were 35 instrumental music teachers servicing the kids. That is, flute teachers and clarinet teachers and saxophone teachers and cello teachers and double bass teachers and bassoon teachers. They're all there. They're all on staff. They're, They're teaching all these kids these individual music lessons. 35 of them. I've been to a state school that doesn't have a music program. They don't have one. They have A guy who teaches music up to year eight. That is it. Now, I'm passionate about music, of course, as you can probably tell by all the nice music we have here on the Dogs program, but just simple things like that. One provides a golden opportunity for a child. The other does not. That child doesn't know what they're missing because they have no chance, chance to be musical in the school with their friends. School musical? No, I never had one of them. Learn an instrument? No, we don't do that. Learn how to write music? You what? No, you can't do that. Not at school. Go and do it somewhere else. And this is for no other reason than the school's under resources. It's not a policy decision from from, 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 the, from the principal. The principal would love to. The principal would love to have the resources, but they haven't got them, so they have to make do. They have to struggle. Why? Why in a civilised country does a state school have to struggle? I just for me, anyway, I'm, I'm, I need to calm down. <laughs> need to calm down. Thank you, Doug. Now, it's
0: mind boggling and it's disturbing. It is, it is. Especially when Kevin Donnelly would come out and suggest, you know, the SES uh, of parents and community is, is, is unimportant. Yeah.
1: I, just, I just think, really, we should just get rid of the whole stupid idea of mateship. <laughs> no, no, because we don't have it anymore. So stop talking about it. Mm. Talks about the sacred values of Australian mateship. No. Mm-hmm. No. You get people fighting over the scrap. We, we now have a situation where the Catholic school system and the independent school system are fighting each other over some scraps from the government and neither of them give a damn about what the majority of kids in Australia are going through in a state school. They're not talking about That's not their job. They're lobbyists. They're not anyone's mates. This whole idea of you know, egalitarian country and mate, get rid of it. That's that's history now. When it comes to education, that's the way it used to be back in the day before we funded private schools. So don't talk about it. Don't get Donnelly talking about Australian values in in history classes because he's responsible for killing them off. Mm. Donnelly doesn't got nothing to, nothing to do with mate. He, he, he doesn't. He's not mates with the kids in private in public schools. He doesn't care about that. There's nothing egalitarian about what he's talking about. He's talking about. Oh, who knows what he's talking about. Sorry. It's
0: um, every man for himself, and I'm using sexist terms because yeah, it's patriarchy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, every man, every woman, every kid for themselves. And the devil take the hindmost. Mm. I don't care about your kid. In fact, I don't care about them so much. I don't want my child associating with yours. I'm going to put him in a school where they don't even have to talk to your child. Mm. That's how much I don't care about your child. Mm. This is, oh, sorry, it's a bit pretty tough stuff. Because mm. you get parents who say, I just want to do the right thing for my child because I have such family values. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, you do, but you do realise that you're playing a zero sum game. Mm. You are taking away from another child by sending a child to a private school. Mm. If you're wondering up a complaint about me and my hard, hard case values, please go <laughs> for your life. Um, you can tell what happens when Jean's not here to rein me in, <laughs> but she'll be back again next week. I think we'd better calm down now with a bit of music. Every week on the Dogs Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School, school of the school week. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools. School state of, the schools. of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome again back to the Dogs Program. State schools are great schools all the terrible misery in the world and talking about the struggling people and the teachers and the kids in state schools. Do you know what? Sometimes they struggle and they win. I'm going to talk about a win here, an amazing school. I'll I'll tell you what it's called because it's an interesting school. This is a big school, 1,500 kids. That's big. 100 full-time equivalent teachers and 30 um, non-teaching staff. So you've got 130 people working in the school and you've got 1,400 kids, 1,400, 1,500 kids in this massive school. Um, it's an incredible school, actually. It's a school has been going for a while. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Cool. I'm, I'm uh, Dale's going to tell you what it's called. I'm going to tell you what it's about and then I'll tell you what it's called. Because it's an interesting place. It's, it's a high school, mm-hmm. 7 to 12. Mm-hmm. Big high school. And they have all sorts of different focuses because it's a big high school and their, their ICSIA value, talking about ICSIA value is right on the, on, on, on the median for Australia. Which is to say, it's 1,000. 1,000 is the sort of median number for kids in Australia. About 63% of them are in the lowest half in terms of Ixia values, and 15% of them are in the top quartile. So it's not one of those state schools where all the rich people in the local area have scorned the school and they're sending them off to other private schools. No, there's still some wealthy kids there, and there's 24% in in the, in the third quartile, which is the second second richest. So there's four quartiles, the poorest. Slightly poor, slightly less poor, slightly wealthy, and then stinking rich. Those are not technical terms, that, that's just <laughs> the way it all works. So, um, most of the kids are slightly poorer than average, and there are some really stinking wealthy kids there as well. So, it's a mix. 4% of the school um, comes from a language background other than English. Mm. So, it's a little bit monocultural, but 2% of the school are indigenous. Mm-hmm. So that's more than in most inner city places So you've got a sort of semi-monocultural school When it comes to language With a, with a few indigenous kids Mostly sort of averagey kids And a few really wealthy ones and, and a few quite poor ones So I reckon you're guessing Where would this be in Victoria? Because it's in Victoria Tell me, where do you reckon a school like that Well,
0: you gave us a hint with inner city
1: oh, It's not like the inner city schools, is it really? No No, no. It's a big school, though, 1,500 kids.
0: Jeez, where where, where, are we?
1: Yeah, we're in Ballarat. Oh.
0: Ballarat.
1: Yeah, Ballarat High. Okay. It's just Ballarat High, That's because there's actually nothing special in the name. you got Ballarat High School. It's a high school in Ballarat. Well, it's not just a high school in Ballarat. It actually has a tradition of pursuing and recognising excellence. And do you know what their their school motto is? Duty always.
2: Mm.
1: It's interesting. Mm. Now, that can be... It can be a bit fascist, it couldn't, they? but it's not. <laughs> their ethos, Your interpretation. Is, yeah, it is. it's an interesting, it's ambiguous, but it's an old school, so it's an old school motto. Okay. The ethos of the school is supported by our core values, and the core values are pride, respect, responsibility, and at Ballarat High School, learning is personal. A Learning framework that guides their instruction practices from all the teachers, and you learn personally, but within a community and you set up the whole school the whole school is basically about sharing and thinking and setting up a framework for to allow the learning to be for the kid and you go oh yeah sounds that's nice words yeah you got 1500 kids
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay 1500 kids and you settle on the fact that learning is personal yeah if you've been a teacher and you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you how go- many teachers do they have? Oh no, they, they have a, a hundred full-time equivalent teachers. Right. But with that process, they try and break it down to smaller and smaller, so you can get to the kid mm. in a school that big. Wow. Now that is not trivial. It's quite an effort. That's an effort, and it's a constant effort. I can tell you. I, I, I'm cheating because I've been there. It's a really cool school. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it doesn't have a well-being centre, <laughs> and it doesn't have an equestrian park. does it have hanging gardens. No, and it doesn't have. A, oh, it has good. It has good facilities. Not brilliant, not rubbish, and they're well maintained too because the forty, you know, many of the people who are the non-teaching staff maintain the thing. Because if you go to a place and it's maintained with pride, you keep it with pride, and that's one of the things that the Ballarat High School does as well. It's actually a quite a really interesting. I think it's kind of a bit old school. You know what I mean? It's an old school country, big school. Mm. Um, they also have branched out and they actually have sister schools in Germany and Japan. And they have exchange programs to those places as well, which is wow. interesting. Now, obviously, some of the wealthier kids are going to be more readily accessible to those sorts of programs, but it's there and it provides them. It's also a participating member of the Ballarat Schools Association and the Ballarat Secondary Schools Association, which provides opportunities for students to participate in a wide range of after-school competitions. So that's, they don't like sit there on their own. They work with all the schools around them. And they actually have a specialist sport program, you know, country school, big school, a lot of boys out there, too much energy, specialist sports program to enhance the studies and activities in the sporting field. So they can get that duty always. And I think out know, in Ballarat, with some of those people out there, the duty would be the duty to perform well on the sports field. Call that bad, call that good. You can call it patriarchy, you can call it male dominator, But I'll tell you what, uh, some of their girls teams out there at Ballarat High School, oh, they're the best. They're the best <laughs> in the district and some of them are the best in the state. So this is the kind of school it is. It's a big school. It's a big school in a large regional centre. So how are they educating their kids? How are the kids doing when it comes to all the NAPLANs and all the VCEs and all that sort of stuff? The answer is just fine. Just fine. Smart kids do well. Struggling kids struggle. The median school, I'm talking about the median school, how's the school doing? Just fine. Just Just doing real good. So how much is this costing me, the taxpayer? This is what I want to know. always gets back to the numbers, doesn't it? How much is it costing me all this state-subsidised education? I think it's disgusting. <laughs> how much are they spending on each of these kids? Remember the magic number? Mm. Yeah, about $12,000 oh. per kid per Under year. the magic number. Yeah, under the magic number. Under the magic number. Oh, yeah. There's, you know. Now, there are some parental contributions. It is interesting. The Parental contributions for each of the kids there, for each kid, from for a parent... Each year is two hundred and twenty one dollars now that that involves things like you know um, support materials and that doesn't include things like going on camp and that doesn't include things like going on exchange to Germany mm-hmm. but fees charges and parental contributions for that school are two hundred and twenty one dollars now that is an interesting figure because if you go to the fees charges and parent contribution of Baldwin high school okay which does very well academically and all that sort of stuff. That's over $2,000. Now, both of them are state schools. Both of them are ambitious. Both of them are doing good things. So, Bourne's a good school. Ballarat High's is a good school. But out of Ballarat, they don't put it on the parents. Okay, They don't put it on the parents. If they've got stuff, they do it because to charge a child, to charge a parent in a state school is something to be avoided out of Ballarat High School. And I actually, um, I praise them for that. Also, Ballarat High School serves as many kids as it possibly can. It has the, as far as I'm concerned, the great state school value, which is we take you. Mm. You live here, we take you. I don't care what the colour of your hair is. I don't care what the marital status of your parents are. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what the colour of your skin is. I don't care if you're gay.
0: You're part of the community. You're welcome.
1: You are welcome in this school. Anyone says otherwise, they've got me to answer to, says the principal. (laughs) (laughs) You are defended. Once you're here, you're us. We are interested in your personal learning because you are one of 1,500 kids in this school and you are the one that's important. Mm. I see, I love state schools. I yeah. love st- you can't say this about a private school. They can't say yeah. it. They, they, they can talk about values and discipline, but nah. Mm. So Ballarat High School, not only do they do VCE, they have a really strong VET, vocational education and training program in the school itself as well. So for those kids that say, I don't want to do VCE, my dad's a mechanic, I'm going to be a mechanic, can I do me- yeah, you can do it, no worries. Do I have to leave school? No, you can do it here with us. Because your learning's personal, you want to do that. We'll do that. Mm. Now it's interesting because they have information technology, engineering, architecture, agriculture, health, all sorts of different things. Also, they have creative arts as far as the VET thing design, food and hospitality services, and of course a whole a whole range of other other VET programs in the school as well. So all of this stuff, all of this stuff, is um is going on in the same high school for twelve thousand bucks a year. Mm. With 100 dedicated teachers out there at Ballarat High. That's alright,
0: isn't it? You know what? I mean,
1: that, that's a massive operation. Mm. Mm, yeah. you know, it totes respect to the principal.
0: And it's a large regional centre, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. A, yeah. yeah And there's Ballarat Secondary College. There are, there are other schools. In it. It's a big place, Ballarat. If you've been up there lately, you wouldn't, mm. probably wouldn't recognise it. It's growing. What's they call it? North Northgood? No, that's Castlemaine. <laughs> North Brunswick, North, North Brunswick. There you go, <laughs> Ballarat. Although it's not because yeah, it hasn't been hipstified yet, but it's a nice place to be. And I tell you what, if I was up there, I'd be sending my kid there too, if I had one, but I don't. <laughs> so there you go, Ballarat High School. Congratulations to you. You are our state school, great school of the week. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State
0: schools are great. Harkaway
1: Primary School. Primary school. Sunshine North Primary They're School. They're really
2: concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Got,
1: like You put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking thing?
2: actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More
1: than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked
0: to healthier and happier children. This in turn leads to better grades. In the when weekly
2: assemblies to... and stuff, they have a little thing. Uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week. And so it's not just words; it is actually. So, so
1: what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom.
2: Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning.
1: state schools are great schools.
0: Great state schools.
1: That is and was and will be again the Dogs Program. Uh, I thought we'd wrap up on a high note there talking about Ballarat High. If you're interested in what we're talking about, and we have a very data-rich show today, didn't we? A lot of information there. Um, yeah, if you're interested you can check us out at our website and peruse us at leisure at www.adogs.info That's www.adogs.info But the battle begins in earnest from next week onwards. and of course you can, if you're not listening to us on a podcast right now, you can check us out on the podcast again um, at the 3CR website, that's 3cr.org.au that's right. Um, and do call. Do call the station. If you've got a state school that you want to come out on the radio here and be a great school, give us a call, drop a name, drop, drop me a number, and I'll do all the research for you. If you want to call the number, it's 9419 8377. That's 9419 8377. But until next week, of course, when the dogs come back to fight the good fight, it's bye till next time from Dale and myself.
3: Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead. Says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Free mine and mill where workers strike and organize it's the